Yeah. So once that's done, I would love to get rolling with using all contractors and getting out of the renovation side so that we can have a few projects going on at once. Because right now, if we're doing the reno, we can only do one at once. That will be this summer. That'll be about the same time that I can get the HELOC on my house. So I hope I have plans to maybe do a couple flips, get some more cash. And then by the end of the year, I would love to have done 10 to 12 deals, which is definitely going to be a stretch, but I think it's a good goal to have. Welcome to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. As always, I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and we've got another great invest guest joining us in just a minute. Grace Gudenkoff is going to join us and talk to us about her real estate investing journey and also her personal finance story, which is a, a great aspect to this interview that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Grace is a buy and hold burr investor out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and she's going to join us in just a minute. But before we begin, I would like to remind everybody out there listening to the podcast to please hit that subscribe button. And if you're enjoying the show so far, go leave us a review and rating wherever you listen. It really does help us out. The Invest Nest is an online community for real estate investors to learn from each other, network, help each other, and grow together. We've got several places that you can do this. Our website, theinvestnest.com, is a place where you can go create a free profile and fill out some information about yourself and then go start to network with the other members on the website. We release this podcast every week, every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., and we have a weekly guest that joins us and talks to us about their real estate investing journey and their, the approach that they take and you know the different strategies that they implore. So we release an episode every week. So be sure, again, to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. And then you can also follow along with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we can be found at the Invest Nest. We put out a lot of content there. So that's another place that you can join our community. And there's a Facebook group page you can find by searching Facebook groups slash the Invest Nest. So we're building this community up. We want you to come join us. I thank you all for being a part of it so far. Spread the word. Again, hit the subscribe button and be sure to leave us a review and rating to help our community grow. I also want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear from all the nesters out there that have been tuning in. If you have any comments or feedback or any real estate related question at all, feel free to reach out to me directly at info at theinvestnest.com or you can DM me on any of our social media platforms. And again, that can be found on those at The Invest Nest. But shoot me a comment or review or a question and I'm gonna start reading one per week, any comments or questions that you might have. So get them over to me. If I find one I like, I'll read it on air and hopefully answer your question or respond to your comment. All right, and now it's time to get started with the interview. And now it's time to welcome our invest guest of the week. We're gonna welcome Grace Gudenkoff to the nest and she can be found at smartypants.investing on Instagram and TikTok and Good Morning Investments LLC coming soon to Facebook. Grace is a Burr investor out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. She's going to share her story with us today about real estate investing and personal finance. So, Grace, welcome to the Invest Nest. Thank you. I'm super excited to talk today. 
Oh, well, we're super excited to have you. So that's perfect. Everything good over there? That's, that's, uh, been able to get out and enjoy spring at yes. all yet? Spring has come full force. It's past weekend. It's been beautiful out. I'm so excited. Nice, nice. It's good to get outside, get that vitamin D going, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially after a long winter. Yeah, and a long 2020. Yeah, <laughs> for real. <laughs> All right on. Well, that's good stuff. I'm glad to hear. I wanted to go ahead and get started and talk a little bit about you and what it is that you do with real estate investing. I know from what I can tell on your platforms, Instagram and TikTok, that you, uh, you put a lot of emphasis on personal finance. And it seems to be more recently that you've gotten into real estate investing. So to begin, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you are doing with real estate investing and, and investing in general? Yes. So I am 23 years old and I started my full-time job about six months ago after graduating college. And I've gotten into the Burr method and doing a little bit there with real estate. And like you said, I love talking about personal finances because I think that in real estate investing, it's often overlooked that your journey doesn't necessarily start with the first door, but more with how you solidified your personal finances to be able to invest in real estate. And I never want to paint a picture that shows it to be more glorious than it is. And so that's why I always try to hit on working on personal finances and always talking about it and making it a more common conversation. Yeah, that's, that's awesome because there's, there is a whole nother component to real estate investing and investing in general. You know, the concept is we all want to do it because we want to better our personal financial situation. But Mm -hmm. like what you just said, it kind of starts with our personal financial situation. Now, you don't necessarily have to be super wealthy or have a ton of money or even have the best credit in the world. Right. But if you start working on those things first, not necessarily having all the money in the world, but start working on your credit, saving some money, clearing up debt, things like that, all that's really going to do is help you be more successful in your journey of real estate investing. Exactly. It kind of opens our eyes when you start looking at yourself as like a business or our our finances of income and expenses and balance sheet and assets. You know, I I think not only does it motivate us because you kind of start to see, wow, if I change these few things, it's really going to clean things up. But it starts to get us in that mindset of viewing just finances differently overall. From a personal finance perspective to real estate investing, how do the two go together and how can real estate investing be so important to personal finance and vice versa? Yeah. Well, I always say if you can't manage your own money, how are you going to go manage an asset worth hundreds of thousands of dollars? That to me is just a really bad idea. You don't want to take bad money habits and project that onto a giant project that's worth more money than maybe you've ever dealt with. Same with every rental project comes down to the numbers. Real estate is the numbers. And so if you can't understand at a basic level, the numbers of your own game, how can you go and try to dive into real estate and be successful there? So it's so important to me. And like, I just want people to always understand that how big of an asset real estate can be. And if you manage it correctly, how, and you have just a little bit better of personal finance foundations, you could take 
the same deal. One person might not do so hot on it. Another person might do great because they have those foundations. Yeah. Well said. Uh, that's, that's great. And the fact that you're putting it out there on Instagram and TikTok and your new Facebook page to help others and help educate them and just kind of see how things like that work and what it's been able to do for yourself is great. I guess, could we get into your backstory? So like, you know, how did you go from being a young person in college that may not have as much emphasis on personal finance, much less real estate investing to where you are now with your portfolio, which we'll get to in just a minute? Yeah. So a few, probably three, four years ago, my older sister asked me to start tracking my spending. She's huge into personal finances. She's money coach. And I didn't want to for an entire year. Every quarter, she would email me, start this quarter. And I would ignore the email. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm in college. I'm fine. Like, I make decent money. I don't really spend that much, blah, blah, blah. Finally, I decided I'm going to pay off my student debt. I had like $7,000 of student debt going into my senior year. And I was like, I make too much money as an intern to have this debt. Like, I need to get rid of it and then figure out how I can graduate debt-free. So she helped me with that. I got basically all my crap together and it wasn't that hard. It was just fixing habits here and there. Like I made the same money. I had the same tuition all four years. It was just the habits that I changed that allowed me to pay off that debt. And then I set up a payment plan to cash flow my senior year. So I graduated debt-free And I worked for the same company all throughout college. And I knew I was starting in the fall. So all summer, summer of 2020, I pretty much just ideated over what am I going to do with my first paycheck? Like, how am I going to really make this first check paycheck work for me? And I don't want to start it off by buying a car or going on a vacation. Like I want to make this, I want to maximize this money. So all summer I was thinking about that. And my, my parents have had a few rental properties here and there. So that's always been in the back of my head. And then at the time, my boyfriend was flipping a house by himself. So that really started to turn my gears. And I just started reading and always talking to him about it, asking a million and two questions. And I decided that with, I was going to go out with a bang. And with that first paycheck, I started saving right away to invest in real estate. And I started with a house hack. Nice. And then it just went from there, huh? And it just went from there because I had those foundations to live below my means, to track my money, to understand how investing my money could exponentially increase my net worth rather than spending it on liabilities and such. Okay. So the most important follow-up question I think I have with that is why didn't you ask 1 million and three questions? Why did you only ask 1 million and two? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. So no, that was a lot of good stuff that comes out of there. I think what you just said about being a young person and your sister kind of trying to get you in gear and motivate you to track your or pay attention to your personal finances. And you realized it was habits. You know, I think a lot of the time it's just as simple as paying attention to it. You know, people just, just do not pay attention. Everybody's guilty of it. I am. It's easy to just not track it. If you simply just start to think about it and try to track what you're spending or just look at it, basically, a lot of people don't look at it. It's really not that hard to kind of determine where a lot of the waste is coming from and some things that you could easily switch around. And just by doing that, 
allows us to really start to better our personal financial situation. You also mentioned you were able to do that and then cash flow, which allowed you to start paying down the debt. What do you, can you explain to us what that, what you mean by that, by cash flowing? Yeah. So a lot of, in terms of my college tuition, a lot of people don't realize that colleges will put you on a payment plan and let you pay each month of your tuition instead of having it due up front. My sister helped me realize that. So I reached out, I put myself on a nine month payment plan. And from my job, I was able to every month make that payment to keep myself from going into debt. And so then I graduated debt free. Whereas if I had tried to pay the lump sum at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have been able to, and I would have had to have taken out a loan. So you basically built yourself a budget. Yep. You broke down the payments instead of a lump sum out front, taking in high cost debt. You were able to spread that out and then take a look at the amount of money you're bringing in through your internship and then, you know, offset that, you know, take a look at your expenses or your money that's going out every month, including your tuition mm-hmm. up against the money that's coming into your internship, build a budget and balance that in a way that the internship money actually was, there was some left over every month, right? And that's the cash flow. I actually realized when I did that, when I made the budget and I said, okay, I have these nine months of payments. I was like, I need to work about five to 10 more hours to get this done and still have money to enjoy myself. And so that's what I did. But I knew five to 10 hours a week. It's not horrible as a student. I was only working probably five to 10 to begin with. So it was really nice to be able to sit down, have the concrete plan of this is how much I need to work. This is the payment I need to make. And this is the money I'm going to have left over. Yeah. And that's like perfect because by you looking at your situation, figuring out where some spending could be adjusted, building yourself a budget, not only is it automatically helping you probably reduce your spending, but you can start to identify not just maybe where the excess spending is, or but also where maybe you're lacking a little bit. And you were able to see that by just picking up a few extra hours of work each week, it could drastically change your financial situation. Yeah. And by again, just by looking at all this stuff, like if you just don't pay attention to it, like you did the year prior, you know, it's none of that would be, even be relevant. You would just have gone on throughout the year doing what you were doing and most likely ended up in debt as opposed to making these minor adjustments and ending your semester or your your whole, I guess when you were done with college altogether, not only were you out of debt, but did you have any leftover capital to go start investing with? I was out of debt and I had basically an emergency, a fully funded emergency fund. It wasn't completely fully funded, but that savings goal was there too, so that I really could, with my first paycheck, start investing right away. And that's because of the momentum that I had from that senior year of getting my finances together, because it's all about momentum. I didn't have to spend those first six months of paychecks figuring out what my budget is and what money do I spend and how do I make these debt payments, because I already got it done. Yeah. And, and when you start to do that, it gets exciting a little bit because you, you get motivated at what you not only have done, but what then you can now also do and you kind of get a taste for it and then want some more. And I mean, I really do like, I love what you're putting out on Instagram and the fact that you're sharing all this, you know, if our listeners out there are, you know, excited or curious about the stuff that Grace is saying about personal finance and budgeting yourself and cash flowing, you know, go follow her. I'm going to have all of her links down in the show notes below and we'll, we'll make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you. But it's a critical, especially at a young age, to pay attention to these things. 
you know, and the fact that you're putting it out there and sharing your journey and you're doing it with some humor, which I love because you're making it fun and entertaining. I think it's great. So, but now if we can, I want to ask you about real estate investing. You started your, your first job. And since you already had your kind of financial situation in place, you had some excess money coming in at this point and you wanted to put it in a place that you felt would work the best for you. What was it about real estate that drew you to it? And why'd you land on it? My parents, like I said, had always had a few rental properties and my boyfriend was flipping a house. So I was learning a lot there and I just felt like I was ready to put in extra time on nights and weekends to make my money go far. So like by that, I mean like doing our own renovations and I was ready for that and just super excited about what real estate could do for you. And yeah, so I first wanted to do a flip. It actually turned into a house hack. This is the house that I wanted to flip. As you can see, (laughs) it doesn't need flipping. So I actually realized, oh, I can qualify for a loan. So I bought it with an owner-occupied loan and had my boyfriend and my sister move in. And now it's slowly turning into a burr because the basement was unfinished. And it's actually turning into a really great project and it's been a lot of fun. Nice. So you decided to, instead of buying a house, which can, you know, be somewhat of a liability, you know, you are figuring out a way to turn it more into an investment. And you mentioned earlier about like, you know, when you've had excess money, as opposed to going out and buying a car or, you know, you had income, these are all like depreciating assets, Mm -hmm. you know, a home and a place to live is a necessity. It's a requirement, but as opposed to it just being a pure expense, you know, or potential liability, you know, you figured out a way to turn it into an investment. And I think that's great. And for people just starting out in real estate investing, your primary residence is a great first step. You mentioned qualifying for a personal loan as your primary. That does a lot of things. It helps you not have to put as much money down as opposed to it being an investment property loan and you get better interest rates it's fairly easy to get into a primary residence if you have good credit and good income. So by doing these things, you were able to get your foot in the door with real estate investing and find yourself a place to live. Yeah. And I always say house hacking is such a great way to get started in real estate, especially by putting that three to 5% down an owner occupied loan. But I do always want to make the distinction that like you were talking about is a house can be a liability And so if you're getting a house at 3% down because you simply don't have the money and it's just going to be you living there, I personally would not recommend that. You're paying PMI for no reason. And I think a lot of people think that home ownership is super glamorous. And I always try to make sure that like I'm real about like um, home ownership. For example, I bought my house a month in my well broke. I'm on a well. I'm kind of out on the edge of town. And that was $2,000. Luckily, I had that saved in an emergency fund. It was fine. And this to me is, since I'm house hacking it, I have income from the other rooms. But if this was just your house and you put 3% down because you didn't have any other money and you're well broke, you would not be in a very good situation. So I always want to make the distinction of there are good and not so good times to use a low down loan. 
Yeah, great stuff. I mean, there's so many different directions I could go. I, we could make this whole podcast just about your first house sack, which I do want to get on some to some of the other investments you have. But it's 100% true. Home ownership, whether it's an investment property that you live in or you don't, or it's just you living in a house and it's not an investment at all. There are all these other costs. There's these ancillary costs that come into play with owning a home, regardless if it's your home or an investment property. You mentioned earlier being comfortable with numbers and finance and understanding how this works. Well, a lot of the times it starts with, with that. So you need to you know, analyze the investment property or the purchase you're considering to make and all of the extenuating circumstances that may come into place. So aside from if it's an investment property, your management calls and who's paying utilities, there's typically, like we like to say, reserve accounts that we set aside for repair and maintenance and capital expenditures. And it's nice to have that account in place when you go into the investment and as opposed to waiting for it to build up. And right. you, it sounds like you did just that with having your emergency fund in place because things like this happen. But if you do it right, if you educate yourself and you have that plan and you're in the right position to do it and take advantage of it or make it happen, it's a great thing when it's done right. But the message is, is you got to be cautious because you can get yourself into trouble. And then, I mean, we didn't even really talk about, you said the basement you're finishing out. So that's kind of becoming a burr, which is really a value add. So you're taking something that's worth one thing in its current state, and then you're improving it to get a higher value or an ARV, we call it, in, you know, investing after repair value. And is the play to then once it's done, see if it can appraise for higher and do some sort of a refinance to get recoup some of your, your initial investment costs? Yeah. So my six months is coming up here. My six months of seasoning is coming up here in a couple months. And I actually bought 22K under what it appraised for. So I already have that equity plus my down payment, which like I said, wasn't much plus all the value adds. So this summer I'm really excited. I'll probably take a HELOC on it and use that to move on to my next deals that I want to do. I could refinance. I got a 2.5% interest rate. So I am a little bit hesitant to refinance out of that, but I'm really excited to wrap up some of the rehab around here and get it reappraised and be able to convert that equity into cash to keep moving forward with some other deals. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, you just mentioned something that I want to ask plain and more a little bit further, if you could, this, the seasoning period, you're talking about six months. What do you mean by all that? So a lot of banks will want you to have six months on a, with a property. They call it a seasoning period before you can refinance or pull a HELOC out of it. So I bought in December and my six months will be June. And that's when my bank will say, yes, we will refinance you or give you a HELOC. Yeah. And this is important because, you know, I think the community of investors where everybody's enthusiastic and, you know, super excited to burr things and, and get out there and do a burr. And the burr is an awesome strategy, but there's some things that go along with it that we need to know. And seasoning period is critical. You mentioned six months with your bank. That's not all banks. Some of them are 12 months. Some of them are 24 mm -hmm. months. But what it means is that they want the deed to season. They want you, the person who bought the property, to own it for a period of time before they'll allow you to refinance. I think you can refinance, but they're going to base it on the purchase price not a new appraisal. So if you try to refinance within that seasoning period, they will not look at whatever it appraises for. They're just going to look at your HUD or your Alta or your closing you know, statement to see what you actually, what the contract price was. And that's where they're going to pull their LTV from. So 
if you're going into an investment property and your plan is to burr it and you think you can turn it around in three months and then you're going to go refi it in four or five or maybe even six, you got to make sure the lender you're using to go do that refi will allow you to do it based on the appraised value within a given period of time. Otherwise, you might have to sit on the loan until it's seasoned. And if you're using, you know, depending on the type of loan you're using, that could eat into, you know, or add to your costs. Yeah. So. And that's something you can always just talk to your banker is what is your seasoning period? Because I have worked with another smaller bank who has pretty much said, oh, give it a couple months. But like you said, some banks might say 12. I think that's just one of those components that kind of gets lost in the conversation about Burr. When we talk about Burr, we talk about all the good things with Burr and all the the, the, the ways we can utilize it, but there are some details that you need to pay attention to so you don't get tripped up on or you could be surprised after the fact. So definitely ask about the seasoning period. And I would even take a step further and say, get a specific timeline because they have one. Don't just, I wouldn't settle for a couple of months, make sure they give you. And so you know exactly what your plan is and there's no room for error in there. It, it sounds like this purchase was great and you picked it up under appraised value. And I put a lot of emphasis on that because most real estate investment deals, the money is made or the opportunity is realized when you buy, right? So when you, when you buy is when you kind of score it or not for the most part. The great thing about real estate investing in particular buy and hold, even if you don't necessarily buy right, as we say, or buy great, over time, it's still going to most likely turn into a, a good long-term investment. But when there's opportunity with equity, pickup gains and things like that, even if it's a value add situation, it really depends on the purchase. Because if you can buy it right or buy it at the right price, that will allow you to improve it and realize it an appreciated value. It's really in that purchase. And it sounds like you scored you know, a good deal when you bought the property. And this is allowing you to not only realize that equity off the bat, but improve it and pick up even more. And the HELOC, I mean, that's such a great aspect to real estate investing, you know, even if, like you said, you don't refinance, that's pretty cheap money and it's your equity, but you're able to put it to work for you in a liquid form. So this will allow you, I would imagine, to go out and continue investing in real estate, recycle it through the birth strategy, recycle that capital at, at a low cost to you, which is awesome. So is that your plan? What's next for you or where are you at? Is, are you currently just in the house hack? Or have you picked up any other properties to this point? So we're about halfway through another Burr reno on a single family home. And then we have two duplexes that are completely stabilized. We bought them stabilized, but it will be a long-term Burr. So we're not going to do it right now, but as the units turn over, we'll finish those basements, eventually refi out of it, and then be able to use that equity to, again, finance another deal and cycle through that burst strategy. Yeah, Grace, you're killing it. You're doing everything right. I mean, I we could make this like a four-hour podcast if we went into all this stuff, but no, this is good. So I just kind of want to break that down. I think what you meant with aside from the the burr rehab that you're talking about, those two duplex investments, you know, those are like you said, longer term buy and hold, but it's still, it's almost like I guess you could explain it as a like a slow play burr. We yeah. really, when you talk about multifamily, the the term, I guess it's really, it's a forced appreciation play. So you bought the properties as is with tenants. And as those tenants move out, you're going to improve the unit 
and then raise the rent. And when you are talking about multifamily, more or less, a lot of the times it has more, the value of the property has more to do with the financial model behind it, the income and expenses, and in particular, the net operating income. So if you can improve the finances of the asset, increase the, the rent and hopefully decrease some of the expenses, you're basically in turn enforcing the increased value of the property. So not so much like over time of it, a natural appreciation. If you're able to do that and say over a couple of years, turn these tenants over and increase the rents and make that property producing a lot more income, then it's more valuable. Then you can go to the bank and refinance it. And I guess, you know, do the actual, the third R and the Burr, I guess. <laughs> so that's great. I mean, that's awesome. So you guys are, how many units are you up to now? That will be, that's six. And I do want to say that the turnkey aspect of it isn't our primary strategy, but it fell at such a great time that we were doing our own reno on one burr. So we knew we couldn't take on another reno since we're doing the work ourselves. So that's where this turn, these turnkey duplexes came in at such a great time with us is because we know that that rehab will be in a few years. And since it's stabilized, that's another aspect of income that's going to start immediately. And again, with it being stabilized, that means that we can also, if we choose to do the rehabs one at a time. So we still have, if we do are doing the rehab on one unit, the other three are still there keeping us afloat, making us money. So I'm really excited about those four units, even though they're not really fitting into the model that we want to go after. Mm, that's so smart. That's great. I mean, and that's the thing, like you bought them, they're good investments as is on surface face value. You don't have to do anything, I think is what you're saying. And they're, they're cash flowing. The fact that over time, you're going to do that forced appreciation and turn the, the tenants over. That's like cherry on top, you know, so yeah. you can do it when you can. It doesn't have to be all done all at once. So you don't have to put a lot of capital out. That's great. Okay. Let me fire just a couple of questions away for you to just try to see how you're doing this. Well, first of all, let me ask you this. How long ago was it when you kind of first started your house hack and then your, your next purchase? Like how long have you been doing the real estate investing? I would say I really started learning about real estate this last fall. So like six, seven months ago. And you're already up to what you said, five units? Six. Six yeah. units. So how are you, how are you guys, or how are you funding this? So my boyfriend had money from his flip. So we used that for the duplexes or for the burr for my house. I just had that cash since it was owner occupied. And then for the duplexes, we partnered with my sister. And so the three of us just split that down payment with a conventional loan. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's great. That's what, so, but that's the cool thing about real estate investing is that there's so many different ways to go about it. You can put your own capital down, you can partner, you can implement these strategies, whether it's like a flip or a burr, and that allows you to recycle that same capital. And you're, you're doing a little bit of everything. I mean, that's, that's great. So what about managing? Are you guys self-managing or you, have you outsourced the management? We are self-managing. I love about 15 minutes away from all of my units. So that's nice for now. Of course, we would love to outsource that eventually, but for right now we're self-managing. And how is that going so far? Do you, do you mind that at all? Is that problematic or is that something that you don't find to be an issue? 
I think that I have tried so hard to always be listening to what other investors have had to say, because I don't really have that much experience with it. And so one of the things for me was like getting everybody on a online payments, like all maintenance forms through online and really trying to systemize the management through there. And that will be an ever evolving task, but I think that it's going okay. And yeah, I'm excited. I think, I think that I think very much in terms of systems. So trying to get all those processes written out and tenants trained to pay online and all that stuff is going to be exciting. Grace, if this was a test, you would be acing it. You're, you're, na- you're pretty much nailing everything. You must really have paid attention to all those podcasts you listen to because uh, you're, doing, you're doing everything right. I mean, that's, I mean, I think anything in, you know, that you try to do, if you can systematize it you know, or automate it is going to help, you know, help, help it or help you with it. But the property management, I think if you can, even if you're managing it yourself by outsourcing or having this automation or system in place, it still takes a big load of the work off of your back. So it helps you make, it helps you do it, make it easier. And then it doesn't weigh on you as much and maybe become an issue that you don't want to deal with. That's good stuff though. So yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. As going to say is I just don't have that much experience in real estate. So for me, it's always keeping my ears and eyes open to the people around me, to the people in the online community, trying to, really learn as much as I can from everybody else's trials and errors. I mean, absolutely. And you may be new to it and you may not have much experience, but you're doing, I mean, you're doing, doing it right. And you're doing it probably better than people <laughs> much older than you. So that's, I mean, that's very good. So where do you see yourself going from here? I mean, you've got a couple of pro. you have the, is it the one project in place right now for a rehab? Once that's done, what's the next step? Yeah. So once that's done, I would love to get rolling with using all contractors and getting out of the renovation side so that we can have a few projects going on at once. Because right now, if we're doing the reno, we can only do one at once. That will be this summer. That'll be about the same time that I can get the HELOC on my house. So I hope I have plans to maybe do a couple flips, get some more cash. And then by the end of the year, I would love to have done 10 to 12 deals, which is definitely going to be a stretch, but I think it's a good goal to have. That's awesome. So yeah, so by, you know, not from, by moving away from the improve, doing the improvements, just like having those systems in place for your management, it's, it will allow you to scale. So as opposed to you having to focus on one at a time, you can, you can grow at a larger at a faster rate. And so it sounds like you're, you're kind of simultaneously doing flips and picking up buy and holds the flips, I guess, to bring in the capital to fund your buy and hold projects. And, you know, in between there, I guess, somewhere is for what you can to recycle as much of that same capital. I haven't had my hand in a flip yet. I would like to do that. Just like you said, to build up a little bit of capital to maybe do some more small multifamilies. Like for example, the burr that we're doing ourselves, we had to, in order to have capital to buy other things. But once we can build up the capital from that burr, once we can refi out of that burr, and then I can get my HELOC, we would love to yeah, move forward without using contractors. Just because, like you said, we can scale more 
And if we do the occasional flip, it would be just for capital. But my long-term goals is definitely buy and hold in Burr. Awesome. Awesome. So, I mean, we're throwing a lot of terms out, out there, capital and recycling capital and burring. Basically, just real quickly for the for our audience out there that may not be as familiar, you know, what do you mean by burring and getting the capital back and being able to buy? Like, yeah. can you just kind of give us a quick explanation there? Yeah. So burr is a strategy. It stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And the way that it works is that you buy a distressed property fix it up, whether that's you or contractors, get it stabilized by renting it out. And then once your seasoning period is up, you can refinance at that fixed up value, which is called ARV. And because it is now fixed up, it's worth a ton more. So you can pull a lot of money out, but you still have the equity that you built in through fixing it up. And then once you do that, you can just use that on another property, do the same thing and keep cycling so that really you have one chunk of cash that you can just keep using through multiple deals. Yep. So basically when you're done with the current project, you're working on and renovating it. Once you're able to execute that refinance, Grace is going to get all that money that she's got tied up into the deal or as much of it as possible back out. She'll still own the investment and then she'll be able to take that money back and go do it again. Good explanation. Very, very clear. Very good. I like it. Very cool. So when, when do you have time to do anything else with all that you're, you're juggling with real estate? I mean, do you have any travel plans? What do you do for fun? I play volleyball once a week, which I love. I love hanging out in my backyard now that it's nice out. I'm on an acre with this house. So I've been really trying to enjoy what that has to offer on the edge of town. And then travel plans. I know that it's still the Corona, the pandemic. And so I don't know when this would happen, but I think first up on my bucket list would be to go back to Mexico city. I would love to do that. And also now that I'm thinking about it, Montana, nice. <laughs> I love Montana. So I would yeah. there sometime soon. Awesome. I think everybody's anxious to do a little traveling once, you know, once we can, Mexico's a good time. You know, usually people are thinking, or at least I am thinking of like, resort by the beach but uh, mexico city i've heard great things about as well yeah. and montana montana is beautiful i have been to montana i mean it's it's something else and volleyball i have a niece who is a, a awesome volleyball player and she also actually came up with the term invest guest for me so i used oh. that, uh, yeah so i gotta give a shout out to elena out there if she's listening she's an awesome volleyball player but uh very cool very cool well that's a lot of that's some good stuff Grace, this has been, you've been a ton of, you know, very informative, uh, but now it's time for our segment, advice from our invest guest. Three questions we ask our guests each week, and I'm going to start with question number one. What's one thing that you can recommend to our listeners who may not have started investing in real estate yet that they can do right now to help get them on their way? Yeah. And this is something that I did. I would make a list, write down on a piece of paper, everybody, you know, that has anything to do with real estate whether that's your neighbor who's a realtor, your aunt that works at a property management company, a friend of a friend who owns a couple rentals, you'd be surprised of the people you know who, who have something to do with investing in real estate and just try to find a time to talk to all of them and learn from them. Great, great answer. Great answer. That's a unique one. I haven't, we haven't gotten that one before, but that's great advice. Okay, question number two. 
looking back, what's one thing that you might do differently if you were to start back over again? So if maybe something that would have either helped you get a, you know, to where you are a little quicker or maybe a mistake that our listeners could avoid. I think that I would have loved to use contractors on our first burr, but if I were to go back and do the math, I'm not sure that we, I don't think we could have. So I don't know if that's a great answer, but also I think the second answer I would give is using a realtor to start with. The first few deals I did was without a realtor and which was great. It saved me money by being able to offer a more competitive price. But moving forward, I realized I need to focus on what I'm good at and delegate what I can. So I'm excited to start working with a realtor here soon. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. I mean, you know, but you, you know, a lot of the stuff you have to learn as you do it. So, you know, that's why I asked the question because maybe some, some of our listeners out there can, um, you know, take that advice and, and help them get, avoid some of those missteps. But really, I mean, everybody's different too. So like, if you've got a background with contracting, it may be better for you to do it. And that's the great thing about real estate investing too, is that there's a lot, there's like not really one, there's no one way to do it. There's like a ton of different ways to do it. So, okay. Great answer. Question number three, do you have a book recommendation for us that you could point to for our listeners to help, you know, get them started or just learn more about real estate investing or anything at all, to be honest with you? Yes. I think that in terms of personal finance, which I said is like the foundation before your money or your life by Vicki Robin is a fantastic book to read. And then real estate specifically, I'm sure everyone says this, but the Bigger Pockets books are all really great. Specifically, Brandon Turner's property management book. I forget what it's called, but it's like how to manage your properties. And it seriously is step by step of like everything you need to know, everything you need in your leases, in your screening processes, everything. And that has been so helpful for me to be able to read through it and literally like highlight everything, write everything down. Awesome. Great, great answers. Good, good stuff. You've been a wealth of information here today. You're a great resource, I think, to our listeners out there. I mean, I could, I could keep talking to you all day, but we're probably going to have to wrap this up soon. But for our audience out there that wants to find out more about you, Grace, and, and connect with you, where's, where's the best way they can do that? I would say on my Instagram, which is smartypants.investing. I'll make sure we put those links down in the show notes below. And uh, be sure you guys to go check out Grace. She's doing everything right, first of all. And again, there's not, there's no one right way, but she's doing everything right for her. And that's obvious. And she's sharing it in a way that's, that's fun. And it's easy, I think, to learn from. So a lot of great stuff, Grace. Go check her out. I really do want to thank you for coming on with us this week. This has been a lot of fun. And I wish you nothing but luck and success in uh, 2021 and beyond. Thank you. And I also want to thank all of our listeners out there for tuning in again this week. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Grace. She really is doing a lot of good things and she's doing them right. She's, she's implementing a great script really for getting, in, getting started in real estate investing. So be sure to go check her out on Instagram, follow along. She's sharing her story and it's a great resource. So go check her out. Of course, Hit that subscribe button if you're enjoying the podcast and leave us a review and rating. It definitely helps us out. Go check out theinvestnest.com and follow along on all of our social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Invest Nest. And uh, as always, everybody, I appreciate you tuning in. 
This is Travis Murphy, your host of the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today.